right, how's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run the Real featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we're back with the new category. It's kind of a crazy category. Wada. Wada movies. I know. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> movies with water in them. We're going crazy here. I kind of like it, though. It's very vague, you know. It's not not as clear-cut as some of these other categories, like, you know, robots or sharks, you know. It's just it's water. Got some room to wiggle around a little bit. Some, uh, yeah, dive below into these movies, these water movies. Oh, yeah. Diving deep. A large pool to choose from. You don't get a lot of water movies in the current market. That is true. But hey, we're going to wet our whistle with a few in this category. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to go swimmingly, I think. <laughs> get them all out now, boys. <laughs> well, hey, let's just, you know. Let's I just, think we uh, should just dive right in. Dang it. That's what I Anyway, Fox, you picked this one. What did you pick? It's a timeless classic, I think they say. And it's been on my radar for a long time. And I had previously thought off of streaming. But then a miracle happened, and it was brought to my attention that it had returned. And it's James Cameron's The Abyss. I got very excited as well. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'll, I'll just get it out right now. I can't fathom oh, why man. this movie and... Cameron's other movies aren't more readily available, you know? Like, why is it so hard to watch The Abyss and True Lies? This is a, a, a shame. It is. That's weird, yeah. His movies are popular. Yeah, it seems weird that he wouldn't be throwing them out there like crazy. Seems like some licensing thing, if I had to guess, or some contract. I think he's been so busy, apparently, working on all his Avatar sequels. That he hasn't had time, because there's a 4K of The Abyss out there. I know, there's proof, there's picture proof, but <laughs> he hasn't given it to go ahead. We need to all give him some peer pressure. Oh boy. Get him to <laughs> work on these, because I want these more than I want another Avatar movie. And supposedly, he's filming the Avatar movies underwater too. Man, I, I doubt these Avatar movies are going to make nearly as much of a splash as the first one did, though. Probably not. I mean, he's under a lot of pressure. <laughs> with oh, him, my but. gosh. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, we watched the theatrical, you know, version of this movie. Not the special edition. I wanted to watch it, but guess what? You can only watch the theatrical edition in America. Yeah, it's so weird. Apparently, the special edition adds like 30 minutes extra footage, but we watched one that's two hours and 20 minutes, so we're going to be talking about that one, not the special edition, and we're going to spoil it. What is The Abyss about, Fox? I think, um, you know, Wikipedia puts it best. When an American submarine sinks in the Caribbean... A U.S. search and recovery team works with an oil platform crew racing against Soviet vessels to recover the boat. Deep in the ocean, they encounter something unexpected. True. It's true. There's a little bit more that happens in the movie, but that's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 
This movie is directed and written by James Cameron. And it was released in 1989. So he did Terminator, Aliens, and then this movie, right? Yeah. So he was like on a roll with making these movies. He was, yeah. It's quite a streak he had going. Four big old 80s credits right there. Oh, yeah. Piranha 2, The Spawning. <laughs> a classic, I'm sure. Man, that kind of blows my mind. I gotta say, I had no idea he was part of Piranha. <laughs> Wait, what? He did Piranha? Piranha 2, The Spawning. Oh, my gosh, I didn't know this. <laughs> now I want to watch it. <laughs> Man, you're going to have to go decompress for a bit after hearing that, Mike. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you write these down, Dan, or are you just like that guy? I may it? have a list of water. Well, 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 <laughs> he knew no. it. I was like, he's got too many zingers. It's like right he's now. been waiting. Yeah, he's, he's predicted what we're all going to say, and he's just <laughs> waiting in the wings. Usually, Dan takes notes while watching the movie, but he was just writing down water puns. <laughs> Much like the great white shark, he's waiting in the deep. Hidden, unseen, until it's the time to reveal himself with his next pun. The Abyss. We're going to spoil it. You've been warned. What would you guys think of it? I've had a hankering to watch this movie for a long time lately. Because I think the last time I saw it, I was a little kid still. And watched the extended cut on TV. Like, all afternoon. Yeah, that'd take <laughs> so, forever. I remember liking it quite a bit, but I hadn't seen it in years, so it was nice getting to watch it again finally when it showed up again on Amazon after having combed the depths of that streaming service <laughs> to find it. <laughs> did it live up to what you thought it was? It did, yeah. I, I enjoyed this one for the most part. It was pretty good. I actually watched this movie like... A couple months ago, maybe it was three or four, I don't remember when exactly, but I have watched it within the last six months before this most recent time. But I've been in a very underwater story movie game mood, I guess, and this is one of the better ones. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned on the last one, I feel like I've got kind of a submechanophobia thing going on. I just hate big metal objects underwater. Oh, boy. And I've been trying to consume more media containing it. So this has been on my list for a while. This is a lot of big metal things underwater. Yeah, you're telling me. Good Lord. Had you not seen it before, Fox? It had been a long time on television. So I had, yeah, not remembered much of it. Yeah, I'd watched this movie a long time ago as well. But I think this is like the third or fourth time I've seen it. But... I think this movie is really cool for a lot of reasons. Like, the sets are amazing. Like, they actually shot this movie underwater. It comes with a very, like, bad reputation for the actors involved. Like, the production on this movie is nuts. It's crazy. Like, you watch it, and then you can go read about it, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's all underwater. They filmed this, and it was a pretty awful shoot for... <laughs> Like, all the actors involved. None of them have worked with Cameron again after this, I don't think. I don't blame him. I remember reading, like, um, what what's the main actor's name? It's Ed something. Ed Harris. Ed Harris, yeah. He, like, 
supposedly punched James Cameron because he was just filming while he was drowning. It's nuts, all the stuff going on in the background of this movie, this production stuff. But the movie's awesome to watch too, so <laughs> there's a lot of interesting stuff with this movie. All the actors pretty much did all their own stunts for the majority of the movie. Man, I saw that. Why do you think they did that? They've got professional divers on sets. Why, why make all the actors go through this hell? And they're wearing big old helmets too, so it's pretty easy to like cover it up, you'd think. But They uh, actually made these helmets specifically for this movie, so you could like see their faces and everything super easy. And there's a radio in there that James Cameron could actually talk to the actors. So I think that's probably why they did that. <laughs> so you could actually see the people in there. Yeah, I really like the setting of this movie. You know, under something about these like underwater movies are really fun. I don't know, that's just so eerie because it's all this water around you. You can't really hardly see anything in front of you. All, and it seems like there's always like, just these huge metal like hallways and metal suits they're wearing and these cool subs. I love all the technology and stuff that they have in these kind of movies. Oh, yeah. I love that stuff, too. This one reminded me a lot of Aliens from the set design and everything. Yeah, I definitely got an Aliens vibe from this. It, it has a, a similar feel, even with like the characters and stuff, kind of the camaraderie they have and all that. To me, it, this one's a combination of Aliens and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I haven't seen Close Encounters before, but... Yeah, the design of the deep core, like, rig down there, and all the blue lighting was very Aliens. I was kind of... I was looking through his filmography trying to think of all the movies I'd seen of his, and it seems like, you know, really, he doesn't have that many movies, but he builds on each of them from what he's learned from the previous, it seems like. I can see that, especially, yeah, because if Terminator 2 came out after this, like, I can totally see where, yeah, like, the liquid metal stuff came from. Yeah, that water tentacle. It looks a little weird now, and I took a note about it. I'm sure back in, you know, 89, that was amazing, but it, it, it just seems a little weird now. Apparently, they shot that scene to where if the CGI did not come out good, they could just remove it completely, is what they had in mind for that. But, yeah, I think... This movie is probably like the king of underwater movies because there's not a ton of underwater movies, but I would say this was like one of the earliest ones that did it really, really well. And every other underwater movie after this kind of like copies it in some way. I feel like it's the 2001 Space Odyssey of, you know, underwater movies. <laughs> kind of, I guess. And like all the stuff that's set in place for more movies in this vein i mean we've had a bunch of submarine movies but that's kind of different from what this is yeah those are usually more like military focused but that's true i hadn't thought about the submarine movies because you're still in the enclosed sub and that they don't really go out of it yeah that that's what sets like the abyss apart from most of those others like this, that, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, that was a big one, I think, when that came out. But all those are, like, enclosed inside the ship or whatever, right? Whereas this one, they've got the base, 
They've got their ships they go in. They they go into a submarine, too. Um, and then they're out swimming around, too, at the bottom of the ocean. So they're doing a lot more with the environment than you normally would see. And it helps that they actually filmed it in, like, a 45-foot pool. I feel like we've set ourselves up with a pretty high standard here. Yeah. <laughs> Especially considering a lot of the other big ones came out within, like, the same year or like within the next two years it's so weird yeah all these movies it's like everybody gets the same idea and they all start getting thrown out at the same time well i mean even to this day like you're still seeing the effects of the abyss for this genre i guess a movie like I, i'm specifically thinking underwater which came out last year is pretty much the abyss but a, a different take on the abyss i mean the whole opening they're in the base and everything and dealing with the stuff breaking and things like that and then they're out running around at the bottom and all kinds of stuff so even the characters are kind of similar too yeah the suits as well like the the suits they wear in this movie they look cool and i think they're super influential too you know underwater movies after it the suits they wear man not even like underwater but even space stuff i feel like ridley scott got the suits for prometheus straight from this movie Ooh, yeah maybe i hadn't even thought of that their helmets are like i feel like almost identical with that big square faceplate. Mm -hmm. yeah another thing i like about these movies i guess that adds a lot of tension too because it feels like if one thing goes wrong like you're really screwed you know with these underwater movies there's nowhere to go you can't run away really like, the water's going to break in, and they play with that a lot in this movie, which I really like, The when the things start breaking down, the water's pouring in. Oh, yeah. I always compare, like, these deep underwater movies to kind of, like, being in space. It's not worse, but I guess something about being on Earth and this still happening to you is kind of weird. It's unnerving, and I don't know how to explain it correctly. Just going that deep. You know, it's just so different down there. It's not where man was meant to be. Space and water, like, <laughs> that's not what we were made for. Yeah, it's something I appreciate about this movie, too, is it kind of gets some of the, like, how these deep divers go about doing this stuff. It gets a lot of that right, because I've put in some research into how, like, on the oil rigs out there in the deep ocean, they have to have divers go down and like fix parts at the bottom and stuff and they have to get at the right pressure so they have to have pressure decompression stops along the way down so their body can get adjusted to the pressure of the ocean and whatnot and they do do this in the movie a little bit like he kind of messes around with it especially towards the end um <laughs> But I assume in the special edition, there's some more of it. But I, I like that. Yeah, it brings it up a lot, actually, I think. With the beginning, we're setting up the villain. And then at the end, that's his undoing, literally, as he gets crushed by all the pressure. Mm-hmm. That's really neat. Well, when they don't do it, they, you know, throw us a, what is it called? A deus ex machina? So at least they acknowledge it, I guess. When they were coming up at the end, I was like, wow, you made a big deal about having to spend like three like months in decompression. 
And then they were like, well, actually, we've thought of that. Yeah, it is kind of cheesy there at the end where they're like, we should be dead. <laughs> but they're not because of aliens. What a bunch of nice aliens decompressing everybody for free. Yeah, glad they thought of that, honestly. <laughs> That's a good point. Oh, no. They just start exploding <laughs> as they go up. <laughs> the aliens are murderers. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good first impression. <laughs> I do think it's interesting that um, this is an underwater movie where it's like the humans are the bad guys, where it's man against man down there. But there's also aliens, and they're, like, friendly. They're almost a side thing in this movie, really. Yeah, it, it, it just, yeah, just kind of, like, shows up, but... Most of these underwater movies, it's like a monster. It's an underwater monster movie is what most of them are. And this one is not. So I think that's kind of cool and interesting as well. For me, honestly, I feel like I could get rid of the alien stuff. That was the least interesting part for me. I really like the human versus human stuff with the coffee, I think his name is, the crazy uh, spec ops guy. I like that stuff a whole lot. Whenever the aliens show up, it kind of, I don't know, it kind of distracted from like the meat of the story that I wanted it to focus on. Yeah, that's why I say it's interesting. Like they just kind of show up and they're at the end of the movie to make everything right and happy. And I'm glad they're there, but it's explored weird for the pacing of the movie, I think. It still fits and it's still a good movie, but it is weird. It feels like it's two different... This could have went, like, two different ways where it's just, like, all people, you know, it's more grounded, or they could have focused more on, like, discovering the aliens and that kind of stuff, but it kind of rides a weird balance for me, and I I don't know. that That's my biggest complaint with it, honestly, is just... It just feels like it takes away a little too much from the stuff I do like about the movie. I would say it's also my biggest complaint, but I think because, to me, it almost feels like Alien Covenant... Like, Ed Harris's wife is supposed to be, like, a scientist, right? She's, like, Dr. So-and-so in the movie. She's an engineer, I think, yeah. Engineer. I don't know. They're smart people, right? But they take this in stride, and they have no qualms just touching alien life forms, even underwater. Why would you do that? And why are you taking it in such, like, stride? I mean, they, they react to it. Like, they, nobody believes um, Lindsay at first, really. Except for the conspiracy guy, which I did think that was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He he was good. I liked him. Um, but yeah, nobody believes her at first until like the water tentacle shows up. And then they start touching that because it's water. So they're like, huh? What's doing this? I don't know. And then after that, when she sees them and they're like organic ship thing i don't know what it was it's cool though i think she was like all right these things are friendly because they're not doing anything to us they're just watching us so she felt like it was okay to touch the ship or whatever having no idea what it's made of she what she wanted to know she was like what is that man i can't believe she licked that that liquid in the alien <laughs> took a taste Man, she stuck her finger in its head and then licked it. Oh, God. That just seems like a terrible idea. Well, it's just water at that point. Well, like, how does she know it's just water is what I mean. 
Like, how does she know that have some kind of enzyme that's toxic to humans inside of them? I wouldn't have licked that, yeah. Well, at that point, they're, like, trapped down there with the military guys, hold them hostage, right? That's after. Because it's the water thing that sets off coffee. Yeah, because it went and was looking at the nuke like, you seriously have this thing here? <laughs> that was kind of suspicious. I'm on, kind of on coffee side with that, with that alien tentacle decides to go peeking at that thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I don't think I'd go nuking the aliens, but I'd be making my first priority to get out of there. I don't know. I like the aliens being in there, but I do wish they would have done a little more with them. I know that they do in the extended cut, but I think that's still pretty much stuck at the end of the movie. I think it would have been cool if instead of just showing us for sure that there's aliens down there, like maybe play it off like the people are having pressure sickness or whatever, right? And that they're going nuts a little bit, maybe. Yeah, I think, yeah, that would have been cool to see a lot more, like, uh, I don't know, more people, like, kind of going a little crazy down there. That would have been kind of a fun dynamic. And it would have played with, like, the paranoia of the, the Cold War thing is what they're kind of going for in this movie and all that kind of stuff. That would have been nice. Yeah, I'm kind of torn. I like the aliens in this, but... I recognize they're basically just there to make the ending all happy. But I do think it would be more impactful if, like, Ed would have actually died at the bottom of that, you know? Yes, yes, I agree. I, I don't know about that, Mike, because the, the crux of the story hinges on the relationship between Ed Harris and his wife, Mary Elizabeth Mastratonio. I don't know how to say that last name. Lindsay. Lindsay, yeah. Bud and Lindsay Brigman, which is an awesome name. That's the crux of the whole movie. So I think it's kind of nice that it comes full circle at the very end because they're having the relationship issues, which we should talk about that because I think the movie does something cool with that. But it kind of brings it full circle at the end which I liked and thought was neat. Yeah. I guess my complaint is like they kind of both have like their like fake out sacrifice kind of thing going on, like one after the other. And I was like, okay, you fooled me once, you know. I I've, I kind of almost feel like one of them should have had to have made the sacrifice. Maybe the wife could have died at that because that moment was heartbreaking. And I did think she was she was going to die, you know, and they kind of do play it up like she died, but then it feels like they changed their mind and they're like, okay, we got to keep trying again and again. We've got her on contract for two more months. <laughs> yes, exactly. It felt like that's kind of what it felt like to me. It's like, because they do stop and linger. And it's like, it's over, bud. And they kind of have a moment of silence. And then uh, we have to do the same thing, a montage of reviving her again. And I don't know, which it's a good scene. Ed was acting his heart out there. That was good. Yeah, I feel I, it was such a brutal moment. Yeah. And I think it would have been more impactful if she had maybe actually died. But I don't know. I don't know. They both they both do make the sacrifice in this movie. It's just that they both end up making it out too. One because they she got lucky, really is all it is, and the other one because these crazy aliens saved them. And it's like neither you would have actually expected to happen. So, at least for the characters and the at least for me too, I think that I mean Lindsay dies. 
in this and they bring her back and then Ed Harris doesn't really die, but the the characters think he did. So they, they both do make the sacrifice. They just get, they get away with it at the end. It's just too much. Too, there's two of the same moment in this movie, it feels like. And it's just, it doesn't feel like that there's any, I don't know. It just doesn't feel as impactful when they try it again. I, I get it. I guess for me, my, my counter to that would be, I kind of liked that, like, Lindsay went through it all herself. And I mean, she even, like, after she was back to um, normal, she's like, it's your turn next time or something like that. And then guess what? He does ha end up having to do it. And so it's like, oh, no, they just they just went through this big ordeal and got back together and things are going good. And now it's going to happen again kind of thing. So for me, I, it, it was like, it was pretty good, <laughs> pretty good tension anyways. I was invested because I was like, oh, no, that's so, that's so sad. Like he's going down there and all he could do is type on the thing after all they went through and everything. Yeah, he's like, I think I'm going to stay here a while. That was a good line. Like that, that stuff is all really good. You know, I really don't care for the romance. And I'll preface this with, uh, you know, I've, I've never thought of James Cameron as like a master of narrative and storytelling. He's a master of big, grand set pieces and sets, which is amazing. But, like, we've got two people here who clearly went away, you know, last time they departed, hating each other. And now they're thrown into a near-death situation, and they're scared and lonely. So, like, you know, what are you going to do? Near-death experience, ultimate aphrodisiac, you're going to you know, reach out to the last person you felt connected to. But it's not as if they've, like, changed as people or, like, matured. I mean, she apologizes for being the way she is in her big microphone speech, but doesn't say she's going to be different, you know? It just kind of feels like the Titanic romance to me, super cliched for the sake of there being a romance there. Because, I don't know, it's palatable to large audiences. I would say about them hating each other and everything. Um, Ed Harris, this is kind of what I wanted to get into with the relationship between the two with, that I thought was cool, is um, traditionally in this sort of setup, it's like the blue-collar um, husband loves his work more than his family, right? And then the wife um, is up justifiably upset over that because... She still loves him and he's losing interest or just doesn't care as much for the because he cares about his work more. And that's completely reversed in this movie. And it's not something I would see Ed Harris doing usually. And you can tell like he still cares for her because he has that whole scene where he goes to throw his or <laughs> goes to flush his wedding ring down the toilet, but he thinks better of it, and he's like, no, I'm going to go get that back. So to me, that scene shows that he still cares for her. It's just she's more preoccupied with her work at the moment. And then, like, the rest of it is they mature going through this experience together. So to me, that's why I liked it quite a bit. I did like that ring scene. That was a good way to set up the, like, ring saving his life later. I, I don't... I don't think it's as shallow as you're making it out to be, Fox. I mean, reversing the gender roles is progressive, but I don't think it makes the relationship any less toxic. 
Yeah, but it's the the what they go through that matures them, and hopefully, at after this, that's gonna they're gonna figure it out. At least that's what the movie sets it up to be like. The movie conveniently uh, ends before you get to see any of that. <laughs> Yeah, that's how most stories end, right? The happily ever after. Like, <laughs> for me, the romance in this movie—it's not bad. It's it's serviceable. It's well done. It's better than a lot of other movies that try and do romance. But it is not my focus. I'm not there for um, Ed and uh, his romance. I want to see more underwater stuff. Like, show me more of the base. Show me more sub stuff. You know, when they get in the little subs and the robots. And they're out there, like, grabbing stuff. I love that. Show me more of that. That's what I wanted. That's what the whole movie is, though, too. The the romance and the tension that comes with it and, like, wanting the characters to make it through is what, like, gives all the rest of that a little more spice. I like the romance for the most part, I think. Um, I think Ed Harris really sells me on it. Bud's reaction at the end, reviving his wife, really, like, Man, that just did hit me pretty hard, honestly. Man, that was so good, <laughs> so sad. But I, I, I like the characters enough. Um, it does seem like they don't really. I don't know if the what's her name, Lindsay, if she really changes at all. So yeah, I don't know how. Like after the credits, if this is ever going to still work out. But you know, it works for me generally. It, it's not the best thing ever. I, I'll agree with Fox on that. But I, I do think it's got more depth to it then (laughs) (laughs) it still holds some water to you dan yes good now don't you start again (laughs) (laughs) yeah i like the characters in this movie and stuff i like the like motley gang they have together like the dude with the rat and the i guess i would say like the the country guy (laughs) oh with that terrible marine corps tattoo yeah the engineering lady Oh, she was awesome. It's a fun crew, and it, like, harkens to these other movies that came after it, like uh, Armageddon or the the core or whatever, where they get the motley crew of dudes who shouldn't be doing this thing. They go and they have to do it, you know? What's with these movies and all these characters having, like, crazy names? Like Bud, Coffee, Catfish, Hippie, Jammer one night like what the heck i think coffee is just that one guy's last name yeah yeah and i think bud's that one guy's first name but still that's his nickname his first name is virgil oh you're right it's virgil i don't know why all the oil workers have like code names that is (laughs) a little strange like do people do that did they just like give everyone they know a nickname james cameron thinks so if if you're all (laughs) bros at work you go by your nickname It, it makes sense I'll admit, I hardly ever remember anybody's names in movies anymore. I just remember the actor's name. Like, the characters in the movie, I've watched too many movies to try and remember all their names, so I usually don't. I could see these guys have been trapped, you know, well, they willingly went down to work on these, like, oil rigs, and they're, like, trapped down there for a long time. I can see them doing nicknames and whatnot. Yeah, it's just, it's so weird. All these, it seems like that movies of this era... Everybody's just got wacky nicknames. It was just a thing of the times, I guess. Reminds me of Predator and Aliens, and that's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) It does very much remind me of Aliens. Which I guess at least one of them, the guy who plays Coffee, right, is is in Aliens. He's in Terminator, I think, right? I thought he was like the main guy in Terminator. 
Oh, Kyle Reese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he is Kyle Reese. Yeah. And he's Hicks and Aliens. Hicks. Yeah. Yeah. He did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. I loved him in this movie. He says he does such a good job as like get, going unhinged and like sweating profusely and shaking. And it's cool. I wanted more time with him because it doesn't feel like they really like focus on him enough to like kind of justify him going so crazy feels like at one minute he's you know kind of just like mean and bossy and then the next minute he's like chopping his arm up and (laughs) doing stuff like that he's gotta relieve that pressure yeah i wish they would have like explored that more and like we could have seen him more gradually decline yeah they they show him like having the shakes at the start but that's all they really do and then he just snaps so quick I agree. That would have been nice to have a a bit more because I think like right before all like he takes the crew hostage is kind of the weakest part of this movie. And it could have they could have put some of that in there to spice it up more because I like how some of his crew is kind of like questioning him and, you know, realizing that maybe he's gone off the rails a little bit. Like there's some cool stuff they hint at. But yeah, I just I just I wanted more because it was so cool. I really liked it. Oh, maybe the extended has more on that. That could be. Could be. Because this is a two hour and 20 minute movie without the uh, special edition, the extra 30 minutes. So there's a lot going on in this movie. I don't know if I want 30 more minutes, though, honestly. It, it starts to feel it for me. It kind of starts to drag. It depends what it is. And I don't know what's in the special edition. I did not look it up because I was like, someday I might watch this and I'd like to be surprised. It's nuts, though, how that guy growing a mustache, how much that changes his appearance from yeah. the aliens and Terminator. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, I love that mustache. Yeah, everybody did really good in this. They did, you know. Considering all the crap they had to put up with. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how much they had to go through, and they still made a good movie out of this. I was really impressed by the gal who plays Lindsay, you know. The only other thing I can think of that I know her from is the Kevin Costner Robin Hood movie. And I know it's maybe not the most, uh, what's the word, um, you know. Doesn't it quite hold up to modern lenses? Yes. (laughs) That movie will always hold a special place in my heart. She's pretty cheesy in it. But man, she's really good in this. I, I was really impressed. I like her, yeah. I'm I'm surprised all the other characters seem to hate her so much, because honestly, she doesn't seem that bad, you know? <laughs> I don't think the crew hated her, but I think it was mainly like the people above the sea that didn't like her. <laughs> there was a scene when she first got down there um, where Lisa, I think her name is, Lisa One Night Standing. Oh. <laughs> um, she like, Lindsay hits her up on the radio and she's like oh my god you know oh, so okay. i think they were upset about you know like you get mad at whoever when they break up with your friend oh that could be and they're like okay we don't want her here because ed doesn't want her here i think he is one of the best of the 20th and 21st centuries every time i see him in something he is astounding like i didn't really thought about it until like i was watching this and i was looking at like what else he'd done and i was like oh my god he's in like so many movies that i love and he's a powerhouse in all of them yeah apparently he doesn't talk about this movie 
like ever. It was that bad. Sounds like he almost died on a near daily basis having to do that helmet with the fluid in it. That stuff is nuts. Like, they were actually putting the rats in that. Apparently they can't breathe. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. That seems a little shaky. I mean, I'm sure, like, it worked, you know? I'm, the rats pro well, I don't know if it's living now, but I'm sure it was fine afterwards. But that feels like a little bit much of, like, the stress you're putting on that poor rat, you know? <laughs> I do think it is pretty painful to breathe the water, actually. Like, I was reading about them, like, testing it on people, and I was, I guess... They, like, tried it on real Navy SEALs, and they were, like, getting, like, minor rib fractures from trying to breathe it. Just because it's so heavy compared to air, you know, you're trying to pull it in and out of your body. Ugh, I don't like thinking about that. Ugh. Breathing liquid? God. It does disturb me. <laughs> I guess it, it, it's neat. It's a neat idea. Um, It's a freaky idea, especially since it's underwater. And you're essentially drowning in in your suit, kinda. So it makes it even freakier. But I don't get why they had to do it that way. He needed fluid in his like lungs so they didn't collapse under the pressure. Ah, uh, okay. Did I miss that in the movie? They do say a line in there about it. Okay, so I just totally missed that line then. All right. I think one of the seals is like saying, yeah, that the prevents them from needing to like pressurize as they go deeper. They can use that stuff instead or something like that. Gotcha. It's cool. That's like the one thing I remembered from this movie was that and the aliens. Cause I remember when I was young, just like thinking how freaky that was, but not buying it for a second that that would actually work. But knowing that it worked on them rats. Oh, that makes it even worse. <laughs> if I remember right, I think I read that this movie was almost not released somewhere because of that scene. Like the chief veterinarian was like, hey, that's you can't do that to rats on the movie. <laughs> you know, you can't do that. And James Cameron had to assist, insist, you know, hey, the rat is still alive. I think they cut it out. I'm not 100% sure on that. I know he like fought it. It was like, hey, the rat is still alive. It's fine. But yeah, they probably should have cut it out. <laughs> it's a cool concept, though. I think that's a cool idea. That's kind of a little more like, yeah. And I guess it's not even that far off. Yeah, like you were saying, it actually works, which is interesting. But obviously, I don't think Bud's lungs or ribs are breaking and as he descends. So does not seem like he's having a good time going down. Oh, yeah. That's like one of my favorite scenes in this movie. It's so scary just seeing him drop slowly and slowly. <laughs> Into the abyss. Oh, man. That gets the, the lassophobia. Oh, jeez, yeah. Man, he's lucky he landed on that bomb because if he would have just missed, he would just kept going. I do love that, too, and he's typing to him while he's going down there. It's so cool. Yeah, that sequence was awesome. And, like, the things are shattering because of the pressure around him, like his lights and stuff. Oh, man, that's great. You know, James Cameron is like a master of building tension and suspense in his movies. He does such a good job with it. I mean, like that, him going down into the abyss, that's such a suspenseful scene. And then like the whole like sequence after the Navy SEAL snaps to where they bring back Lindsay is such a 
a great escalation of tension all the way up until they bring her back. It doesn't even give you a moment to breathe <laughs> until you until until Lindsay takes her first breath again. Oh yeah, he is a very good director, I think. I haven't seen a movie of his that I have not liked or enjoyed quite a bit. But yeah, it's interesting, I think, to watch his like career and progression as a director from Terminator up to when he did Avatar. He also made that documentary, it's like Challenger Deep or something. And he like funded the scientists to make this submersible that could go to the bottom of the Marianas Trench. And of course he does it and I watch it. It's pretty interesting. So he did that too. He went to like the lowest point anybody had ever been. I do agree with what you said earlier, Fox. James Cameron is like amazing at setting up world design, world building and sets. He's just awesome at that. I mean, he created that whole world in Avatar, but for, you know, the abyss, he created this whole underwater thing, you know, that it's actually people underwater. It's not effects or anything. It's crazy. Probably it's not safe, but <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy looking back on it. It's like, wow, that flew in the 80s, dude. <laughs> he got away with it, yeah. Yeah, I imagine nowadays, yeah, big studios and big agencies probably wouldn't let that sort of thing happen. But man, what a product we got out of it, though. Yeah, it's very cool looking at it in a historical, you know, lens as well. I will say... All these practical ways of doing it. I do miss it. But, you know, that's up to the director and the crew to decide how they want to do it. But I do I do prefer when they do it like this. Yeah, that's why Avatar's all, like, you know, CGI, because he actually couldn't get Hollywood to fund him flying to a different planet <laughs> <laughs> to film people there. To create his own race of blue. Yeah animal people it's so unfortunate because the cgi is stunning in that but just think if he'd actually gone there that would have been nuts man yeah that'd be great he's like put me in i mean he did they throw him in a crowd sleep you know a few thousand years to get to the planet film his movie come back and then you know it'd be the next big hit what have you done tv you've outed james cameron's master plan on a publicly available podcast (laughs) (laughs) that's why it's been so long dang it everyone's gonna find out what'd you guys think of the look of the aliens it's okay looks like stuff in subnautica yeah it kind of does actually and i'm about it because i love subnautica so I was okay on them, I guess. I, I don't know. They kind of felt like just more like just pink blobs to me for the most part. It does turn into like a cool ship at some point, but sometimes it just feels like an amorphous blob, and I wasn't super huge into that. So I don't think that that's the alien. I think that that's like their... I, I don't know for sure. This is my speculation. I think that the aliens are like your traditional-looking aliens, like the gray guys with the weird head and stuff. Oh, like the thing at the end? Yeah, that was looking at them. I think that other stuff is like their ship, like a little ship that they get in to go fly around in the ocean type thing, you know? I think you're right. It, like, lights up the area around them, too, so they can see. Because it's super dark at that depth. 
Yeah, and like when Lindsay was messing with it, you could hear like whirring and stuff, like a propeller. So I think that is like bio-organic ship type thing. I don't know. It's cool. I like it. I think it's really neat. I'm not a huge fan of the actual alien design. I think it's a little too safe. Yeah. Yeah, that first, like, I guess if it's a ship, that first ship, I just thought, like, kind of lame. But the ones you get, like, she actually, the one she touches, I think, looks pretty cool. I do like every time they show up how they're preceded by the the bright pink purplish light and then you get the awesome music from Silvestri. It's like a a mystical experience type thing. It's it's cool. I like how they handled it. Hmm. Well, does anybody have anything else about this one? Are we ready for some overall presentation? I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready too. All right, well, what's the scale, TV? Uh, so we have a scale, yeah. It goes from burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it in that order. We all give a little summary about what we think of the movie. So who knows uh, what depths this movie will fall to, or will it rise like the strange organisms in this movie above the surface? You'll find out. Um, but, you know, the... Uh, the pressure's just been getting to me lately, Mike, so I think you should probably go first this time. <laughs> <laughs> this I can do. So I love underwater stuff. You may have heard me mention Subnautica. I love that game, and I try and get everybody else to play it on this uh, this podcast. I, have, I beat that game. Dan has played it, and in fact, I watched him play it. <laughs> I love underwater stuff so much, and this is a pretty cool underwater movie. Um, the set is just amazing. I love that we get to see all these actors underwater. Even though it's horribly unsafe, it's cool to watch from a historical point, too, because that would, like, never fly today. But the you probably won't even know about that stuff unless you go read the production and whatnot so like not only is this a pretty good and solid movie with fun characters and it's got some weird alien stuff at the end it's underwater and it's got all this extra like weird backstory stuff for the creation of the movie i would give this one a buy it i would buy this movie if i saw it and hopefully i can watch the uh, special edition sometime so yeah buy it from mike yeah this isn't really a horror movie. This is an adventure movie. But you know old Fox Jackson. I I love some horror movies. But that said, right, they're all horror movies. They're all in good fun. But this is the abyss. This is a bunch of big metal objects underwater. And I don't know what it is about big metal objects underwater, but it genuinely terrifies me. I don't really think James Cameron's necessarily a master of narrative and storytelling, but he is a master of sets and big, grand set pieces that are epic. I think the actors have a serviceable script and they elevate it beyond what it should be. Ed Harris is, I hate to say underrated, but I feel like he's often underappreciated for how incredible he is. I gotta give this one a buy it. It's just so, so crazy from a historical aspect, as Mad Mike said. It's got an incredible, if sometimes, uh, you know, unpleasant story behind it. It sounds like it was a pretty traumatic experience for not only the actors and crew, but Cameron himself, I think, almost died, was what I read, and also did some face punching. Dang. And, and the rats. 
Yeah, and the rats, right? You know, it's not always <laughs> the most uh, tasteful backstory. But I think just for what it is, this is a piece of cinema history and is worth a buy for that reason alone. Yeah, I really like this uh, setting. You know, the underwater stuff is really cool. Um, it's just so eerie and, like, dark and... I don't know. There's something about it that it's just so mystifying, I guess. It's the closest thing we have to space on Earth, I suppose, which is kind of cool. And I like how like movies explore that kind of stuff. And this one is, does a good job with that, with all the cool technology they have, the cool diving suits, all that stuff. I really like it. The characters are pretty cool as well. I enjoy all the acting performances. Um, I do feel like maybe there could have been some changes that would have made me like it a little bit better. Like, the story, it just feels like there's two different movies here, and I don't know, I don't, I kind of wish it would have focused just more on human stuff and kind of, like, just cut the aliens out. Like, the aliens are kind of cool, but if you're going to have them in there, I'd rather them be kind of the focus of the movie. I I really like the antagonist in this, Coffee. I think he's so cool, but we just don't get enough time with him. Um, and, you know, this movie is, like, two hours and 20 minutes, and while it is really cool to watch, it's also, it kind of drags for me a little bit, um... I'm going to give it a watch it. I do like it, but it's just, yeah. I, just, I There's some stuff I like, and then there's a few things that just like, well, I don't know. That's just, that's just where I'm at with it. We've said it a bunch in this review, but this is like the granddaddy of these types of underwater movies. And it's done a lot of cool stuff that's been used in this genre going forward a lot. It does a really good job with it, in part because they're actually doing it for a lot of this movie. Like, I read that <laughs> that they use live ammunition in the um, submachine gun that they had when they were shooting that thing in the water, which is nuts that they're doing that. Um, but that just goes to show, like, how nuts this production was. And it turned out really good. You you believe everything going on on screen because it's actually happening, except the aliens, of course, but that's a bit different. Um, it's just really cool. Like, I, I like the relationship between the Brigmans. Um, that was a nice focal point for the story. I like the tension and set pieces in this quite a bit, too. Like, yeah, Cameron's great with building up suspense he does it extremely well and this movie's no exception the music's great i like the story the aliens are cool reminds me of close encounters of the third kind mixed with aliens which is a good thing so i'll i'll give this one a bite i want to buy it but i cannot buy it which is a (laughs) shame james yeah, I guess that's the caveat James. with all the buy it ratings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you cannot buy it on Blu-ray. Quick, watch it on Prime. I just thought I got to give the audience the if you have thalassophobia, can you make it through the abyss? Ooh, yeah, let's hear it. I will tell you, audience. I have thalassophobia. I don't know how I got it, but I have it. And this movie has some pretty good thalassophobia moments in it so namely the abyss and the ed harris sinking further into the abyss and you cannot see the bottom is pretty gut-wrenching so i'll say besides that it's not too bad 
by the time you get there, you're pretty invested in the movie, so you can you can make it through this one. Yeah, I think I have a mild case of that because it, it does creep me. I didn't even know I had it till I played that game you've been talking about, Mike Subnautica, <laughs> and I was like, oh god, this is horrifying. <laughs> it is very scary. I want to know if somebody else is as concerned by all the man-made things down there as I am. <laughs> I want to know that too, honestly. Is that a common thing? There's a subreddit for it. <laughs> oh, like the submechanophobia? Uh-huh. I think with deep water, uh, people are just afraid of different things. There's a lot of different ones. Like, it could be open water up on top, like you're above water. That freaks some people out, like you can't see land. But then you go underneath and there's a whole bunch of new ones. It's a lot of stuff to get afraid of down there. What lies beneath the ocean? <laughs> That's why there's so many monster movies, too. Yeah. Sharktopus. <laughs> our iconic, our most terrifying of all the sea monsters, Sharktopus. <laughs> all right. So what do we got coming up next? Does anybody have a pick or I can go? Oh, you got something? I have one, but Dan, you might have the same one. I was thinking Leviathan. You go, you go ahead and take it. And I'll, I'll take that one. As of like two days ago, you could watch it on Prime. So let's see if you can still watch it on Prime. It's still there. I want to see that one. I feel like it's not going to be as good, but I am intrigued to see a big monster. We've talked about this director's son's movie. George Pan Cosmatos directed this one. So I'm really? excited. Yeah. I think I've seen it on Prime like every once in a while. You know, when I'm like just scrolling through everything on there, it's like Leviathan. It has a cool like blue cover art that I always kind of was like, oh, maybe I should watch this. Yep. Came out the same year as The Abyss. So we can compare them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. That'll be fun. I'm excited. But in the meantime, if any of you listeners out there want to hit us up about your thoughts on The Abyss, uh, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Run the Real, or you can email us at runtherealpodcast at gmail.com. I want to know what you think about this movie. Are you scared of underwater? Are you scared of metal things underwater? Tell me. Tell me your darkest fears. Or just tell me about the abyss. That's fine too. Yeah, be sure to get in contact with us. Tell us your uh, thalassophobia stories, too. Or what movies give you thalassophobia. Or, I guess, this is the water category, so above <laughs> the ocean movies, too. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, tell us your favorite movies that have water in it. <laughs> yeah, tell us those. <laughs> but, yeah, be sure to get in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Anyways, thanks for listening to us tonight. We really appreciate it. This is Run The Real. Signing off. Yeah. And they're like, okay, we don't want her here because Ed doesn't want her here. I guess I should call him Bud. His name is Bud. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I mean, it's I'm only sorry. one more letter, Mike. Come on. <laughs> well, I'm looking at his picture here, and it says Ed right by it. Ed, Ed you is... called him Ed like he's your like, friend or something. <laughs> We're on a first name basis. Me and you know, Ed, Ed and <laughs> Ed Harris. <laughs>